As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Hey guys, how's it going? It is me, your girl, your host, Elena Grace. And you're listening to another episode of I've Been Thinking. So today, guys, I bring to you a super special guest. Um, Her name is Casey Carroll. She is just the sweetest ever in our interactions together. She is an Appalachian just like me from Eastern Kentucky also. She is a full-blown Appalachian witch And she is also pretty big on TikTok, which is really cool. So, Casey, say hello. Hi, guys. I hope everyone's doing really well. I'm super excited. Oh, I'm so excited. So, we're recording this super ahead of time. This is going to be coming out, I'm not exactly sure when, but towards the fall. So, this will be kind of getting us all in the mood for spooky season which Ooh, i love spooky. it's my favorite my favorite time of the year i was actually born in october so oh my love gosh, it. perfect i love I that love i think i was just born into weirdness really <laughs> i think so too october is like a weird time yeah it's like the best time and i think it's um i mean i think i'm kind of partial as y'all can see i'm like super big apple action um um advocate but i think that we have a a beautiful place um in the fall it's the best it is the best it's so stunning it is oh i love it and that's one of the things that i miss the most about living in southeastern kentucky because i don't live there right now right now i live in northern kentucky and the trees just aren't the same here Oh, man, what a bummer. You need to come to Eastern Kentucky. We have, um, you know, we have the Foothill Mountains, and it's it's just absolutely gorgeous here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I lo- I do need to come over there. You're in Ashland, right? Yeah, Ashland, Kentucky. That's where I have my little store, Blood Moon Goddesses in Ashland, Kentucky. Come check us out. Um, yeah, my little store there. It's kind of nestled out in the middle of nowhere right now, but we're hoping to change that soon. Um, we've had a lot of growth recently, so just keep that. on the lookout. Yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting. I love watching small towns grow and like not necessarily giving up their small town character, but, you know, growing and doing new things. Yes, that's been super exciting to watch. And, um, you know, I like to be really active in my community, which, you know, everybody was like, I thought there'd be a lot of backlash. But, you know, honestly, like our community has has been pretty open and accepting. Of course, we've had some incidences, but a lot less than you would think. And it's it's been really cool to get to participate in our community and see it grow. Um, it's It's been a beautiful experience. And I think that we're just becoming more culturally diverse and more accepting. And, and I think historically, honestly, Appalachians have always been that way. We've always, you know, uh, given, you know, the quote, give, give your shirt off your back. That comes from us. And I think our people are just a really beautiful people and really, really awesome. I think place. so too. I mean, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, just about how diverse Appalachia truly is. Um, And kind of how it sucks that we're given this stereotype of, you know, not being diverse, of of loving our neighbor, that kind of thing. But also, it sucks that some people still do live up to that stereotype. Yes. And I think it's a lot less than what, you know, we are stereotyped with having because, you know, where I grew up, everybody just do anything for anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, where you're from, if if you need help, if you're you know stranded on the side of the road, you'll you'll have I mean at least ten people. You need help, honey. Are you hungry? What do you need? That that's always been our reality here, and um, hopefully we can break away from those stigmas and those stereotypes because we've always really been historically very accepting and loving people. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right, and I mean we come from an absolute melting pot. And that is how Appalachian witchcraft in a lot of ways developed is because we have our Scottish and Irish ancestors who brought a lot of their traditions. Then over the centuries that mixed with Native American um, culture and their mythologies and their, their versions of witchcraft. And so it's amazing. And then, We have um, Africans who came into the area, and they introduced their... It's just so cool how it's all come together. And that, you know, the Melungeon people where Mm -hmm. I live, the eastern Kentucky, my husband is is, um, Melungeon, part Melungeon. So he has all of that, that, that background, um, you know, cause that, that's exactly what that was, you know, it was a, a Scotch Irish indigenous and the African people. And, um, that's exactly what Melungeon culture is. And I think it is just an absolutely beautiful and amazing thing to read about and how all of those things kind of merge together to make this, you know, special thing. And, and a lot of our Appalachian, um, witchcraft traditions do come from those practices kind of, uh, merging together and to become one thing and it's pretty amazing really yeah I think so too it is 
it's really, really cool, honestly, to look back and see how it all came together. Um, but I also really love seeing how it's been passed down through the generations and how it's really not perceived as witchcraft. Yes. Um, yeah, and that gets into things like, I think everyone I knew in my hauler was like, if your baby has thrush, you need to go to a seventh son of a seventh son and have yep. them blow in the mouth, you know, things like that. My husband had asthma as a baby, and um, they cut a sourwood stick in the woods, and whenever he outgrew the sourwood stick, his asthma was gone. And we've all grown up with these traditions, which may not be familiar to other people, but to us, these are just, this is just common knowledge, mm -hmm. but you never think of it as being, you know, because we are from a place that has a very religious background. Um, we we weren't taught that, oh, this is witchcraft. But whenever you're, you're, you're coming out of that religious background and, and you're starting to dig deeper into other things, you're thinking, huh, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, I grew up yeah. with all these things never thinking, oh, my gosh, this is witchcraft. Yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. And it is that religious overtone that, they kind of smudge it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, this is just, you know, it's a, what's the word? An old house, an old wives' tale. That's yeah, yeah, wives' tale. Yeah, old, old wives', wives tale. tale. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, oh, no, it's just an old wives' tale. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, or it's a folk remedy or whatever. It's not the vestiges of witchcraft. Yes, but it exactly. Is. But it absolutely is because yeah. I grew up and my, my mom, she, her side of the family, um, my family is generationally from this area from, uh, my mom's side of the family is from Greenup County, Kentucky. And my grandfather, my great grandfather owned a general store in Greenup County, but people would also come to his general store for him to heal them. He was a um, Appalachian healer and he could use certain Bible verses and Psalms, Psalms specifically, um, to stop bleeding and uh, heal people and that in itself I, you know to me is is definitely witchcraft um yeah our people have always kind of used those those psalms as spells yeah it's the power of the spoken word exactly it's that intention you're putting into it and that that belief because at the end of the day Witchcraft is intention, and it's all about the micro and the macro. The macro is the big situation, and the micro is how we're trying to shrink a situation into something smaller and trying to condense that into something that mirrors what's going on in our life and trying to remedy that. And it comes from really pouring that intention. So whenever you reinforce that belief, you know, wh whether it's God or, or whatever deity you're working with, you know, it's reinforcing that belief, and you're casting a spell. Yeah, you are exactly right. Well, so is that how you got into this? Is your family just had this kind of generational association with it? <laughs> Honestly, my sister and I, we grew up in a hauler in, in Carter County. Um, now, my, my grandparents are from Ashland. Um, my, my mom's dad is from Ashland, like generationally, like 120 years they've lived here. But um, I grew up in a hauler and... My sister and I were just always into spooky things. We always watched spooky stuff. My, my family always told ghost stories and always talked about healing and stuff like that. And um, I was kind of raised, you know, Southern Baptist 
it's very common in the area. And whenever I broke out and started doing my own thing and trying to undo that religious indoctrination, um, I really, I started getting into meditation. And this is about 10 years ago. started getting into meditation and started, you know, experiencing things that I could not explain. And having dreams of, of me in other lives, basically <laughs> practicing witchcraft or, or what I... Yeah. you know, at the time could only perceive to be that. So I had a deep connection with it and studying my family's genealogy and our roots, it, it, it made a lot of sense to me and I, I connected heavily with it. So I want to say, and my just quest for knowledge and wanting to know what is beyond, you know, this life and just really delving into everything, <laughs> just putting my hands on absolutely every type of spiritual practice I could in reading about it and trying to respect and honor the tradition. My sister lives in New Orleans um, and I have had the honor and the pleasure of getting to go there since I was 15. Um, so I've been there quite a lot and I think that that had a, a heavy influence too on me because I, I saw some really unexplainable and amazing things um, and my sister Pizzle has been connected to it. So many, many different reasons. I feel like I, this is just where I'm supposed to be. No, that's awesome. That's an awesome story of how you got there. And I really, I mean, I really respect that you went on a journey of self-discovery kind of, and this is where you realize, like, I need to be here. That's yeah. really awesome. And, like, I have been here before, too. Yes. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it just, it, it feels right. And I, I definitely want to say I'm, like, the happiest I've ever been in my life and I feel so spiritually fulfilled and it's been a blessing in so many different ways just getting to share this path with other people that's really cool I'm really happy for you oh thank you <laughs> you're so welcome so I'll say I had a very similar upbringing um to yours it sounds like I also my parents their families have lived in Knox County for, I mean, 200 years, um, they, Southern Baptist, you know, all of those things. But my dad is really into genealogy, first of all, but also history and mythology and all of those things. And he raised me to be the same way. And he has a very deep respect for a lot of different spiritualities and spiritualism in general and all of that kind of stuff. And he always taught me, you know, certain words, certain names, be careful with how you speak them mm -hmm. because they hold power, mm -hmm. you know, you know, that kind of thing. And so I was taught luckily from a young age that even that, witchcraft, you know, in however you want to think of it, and Christianity or other spiritualities can be practiced together. Yes, absolutely. And, and, all of, and it's, I'm so grateful that I was raised that way. But um, now as I get older, even I realize all of the ways that I have seen it practiced in my family. So like my grandmother has very vivid um dreams yes know, like the site my mother does as well um she knew this is actually a really funny story but her best friend came to her one day and said karen my mom's name is karen um she said karen 
you won't believe it. And my mom's like, yeah, your boyfriend proposed to you. And she was like, well, how do you know that? Did my mom tell you? And she's like, no, I just knew. Go on. She's like, well, propose a date. And my mom's like, oh, May 30th or whatever it was. And she's like, are you sure my mom didn't tell you this? <laughs> my mom's like, no, I dreamed it last night. You're good. I mean, my whole life, she's done things like this. And it's just totally normal. My dad's always kind of been frustrated with her because he thinks that she doesn't embrace it enough. Right. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, I have little bits of it, too. Like, I called my mom just this morning, and I was like, hey, is everything okay? I had a bad feeling last night. She was like, no, actually, your grandmother's best friend is, like, not doing really well. And I'm like, there it is. That makes yep. sense. I believe it. It runs in our veins. I, I feel like so many of our people around here, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you want to call it mountain juju. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, but we have some kind of, there's something very sacred and special about these hills. And I, I can't reiterate that enough. It, there's so many people that have the gift of, of sight. And, you know, as um, my family, we, they always told me growing up, you have the gift of discernment, meaning I just knew stuff mm -hmm. about people and could tell, you know, read their energy, basically. But, honey, you have the gift of discernment. I always heard that, you know, there's so much of that here, and it's just generational, and it just yeah, runs yeah. so deep. And I think um, a lot of families, too, they have their own little recipe book. If you were ever gifted, and this is some Granny Witch stuff, if you were ever gifted, like, um, a recipe book, you know, a cookbook, basically, if you'll notice if you, I have one that's really old, and it has, like, healing remedies, mm -hmm. um, for instance, um, honey wraps that go on your chest whenever your baby has croup, or whatever, you put honey and mustard to it when they used to say, draw it out, yep. and recipe books had things like that, they had psalms in them, they had, um, Words to heal what you do, you know, d different rituals before weddings and babies mm -hmm. being born and all of these different blessings and, and, and things like that. And I, I think that's very specific to our area. And I think it's special. I think so, too. You're absolutely right. It's a really beautiful part of Appalachia and a really... Just incredible, special thing that's been passed down to us from our ancestors. I mean, generation to generation for for hundreds of years. Yes. The incredible stuff. Yes. And I would, I love to see there's finally a resurgence of pride in our area because when we grew up, um, I think you're close to my age. I might be just a slight bit older, but I'm not going to tell how old I am because I'm not going to tell myself. <laughs> but um, I, th I think I, we grew up going to things like fall festivals and mm -hmm. sorghum festivals. But what we didn't realize is how special that was because th that's not just a festival for you to go have fun at. That's about you to learn about your heritage. And these things are kind of dying because I think w where our generation kind of was grew up you know just the beginnings of the internet and tv we were made to feel ashamed of our area i remember when i moved to lexington and the shame i felt with my accent and um 
just having to code switch, meaning, you know, you change your, yeah, yeah. your dialect. Instead of saying dialect, like I am now, you'd say dialect, you know, yeah. or, and not saying pop, saying soda, just things like this. That way it wouldn't give, because people would look at you different and look down on you. But um, I think it's important that we, we connect back to these roots and start, you know, teaching our children to be proud of where they're from and reconnecting with that because it's sacred and it's important. It's our heritage and to not be ashamed of where we're from. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I always think um, a friend of my mom's who went to our church, his daughter came in to visit from, she lived out like on the West Coast or something, and she mm -hmm. came in to visit one time, her dad. And she came to church with him, right? And she's talking to my mom, and I just so happened to not be there that day. And she said, you make sure that you tell your daughter, no matter where she goes, no matter what she does, do not water down her accent. Because yes. that is a part of her. That is a part of her heritage. It's where she's from, and she has to be proud of it. Yes. I mean, lives rent-free in my head. I think about it all the time. So true. And even one of my friends in college, he was um, he was from Southern California. He was like, Elena, I wish you wouldn't tone down your accent. And I'm like, George, I promise when I've like fresh off, like fresh out of the car from home, it's thicker. When I've been in Lexington for like two months straight, it's gonna like, you know, water down a little bit. Yes. But um, he was like, your accent is important. Don't don't let it go. And those those things have been really important to me, you know, because it was reminders and it was like validation in a lot of ways. Um, so I try really hard to focus on loving and highlighting and being an advocate for my heritage and for Appalachia. I think that's amazing. And I think that it's important, you know, my son teaching him that and, uh, you know, teaching our future generations that way we're not, you know, they're not growing up like we did with being ashamed of where we're from and being taught that it's, it's, you know, we, we come from an amazing area with amazing people and, Amazing traditions, and um, it, we have a culture, um, you know, where so many people are seeking, where's, where am I from, who am I? If you're from Appalachian, you have an amazing culture, if you just dig a little, and if you'll think back to those festivals you went to when you were little, I think we need to bring all that stuff back, because I think it's very educational um, for I kids. Yeah, I'd love to see that come back. Oh, I love it. The one in my hometown is still going really strong. It's the Daniel Boone Festival. In oh, that's, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's exciting. That's it awesome. Is, it's so good. And one of my favorite parts was always that the Cherokee tribe that was, like, it was their land. They set up a treaty with um, Daniel Boone and the original settlers and blah, 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 blah. You know, they come visit every year. And is, they resign like a um, they resign a treaty, and it's this big, you know, thing. And it's just really cute that they do that. They you know renew it every year, and they dance and they share that part of our heritage with us, and teach us these parts of our history 
that aren't Eurocentric. And, and that's, that's so that's important. Really cool. Yeah. And people don't realize there is a huge movement going on um, with Appalachia. We're intersectional. We're mm-hmm. very, very oh intersectional gosh. culture. Um, and there's a whole intersection of, you know, um, people from Afri- the African-Americans that are ap- uh, African-American Appalachians. And there's a movement going on about that and, and the Melungeons. And I just think it's fascinating um, that, you know, our, our heritage... Uh, spans across so many different cultures and so many different cultures came together to create our traditions which are very steeped in mysticism Um, and and that's why (laughs) that's why it's exactly why and that actually reminds me you know eastern Kentucky our hills our foothills they were sacred to the Cherokee and the Shawnee they were hunting grounds. Yes. Um, and they were mostly places where they said, we don't live there because it's super sacred. Yes. We live elsewhere. We go there to visit and yes. to worship and to hunt. And I think that that just has so much to do with the magic, first of all, that we experience living there because it's a magical place to live. It- it truly is. If you've ever gone hiking in eastern Kentucky or just Kentucky in general, there's this this energy and this vibration that yeah. just resonates. It feels ancient. It does. It does. But it feels like something else other than just the land and the earth. It almost is like she has her own, like she as her, as her herself. I, I call her she, but is her own her own goddess and her own entity that she just lives and breathes and it's this very maternal um mystical energy and when you're walking around like you can feel it's almost like you can feel the hills breathing yeah i love that that's a very eloquent explanation of how it feels i (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome I have been to some incredible places around the world, and I always say, first of all, that Eastern Kentucky is my favorite. It's the most beautiful, all of that, but I've been places where I feel ancient energies. Yes. And Eastern Kentucky is one. Yeah, it's 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 truly um, it's truly amazing. If you ever get a chance, uh, Holly suggests go visit Carter Caves. That's where I'm from originally. It's uh, Carter County. I live in a little hollow. I come from a little hollow called Taylor Hollow, up in uh, Carter County, Kentucky. And I literally had to walk up and down a hollow to get to my bus every day, almost a mile. That sounds like I'm an old coot, but it's the truth. Oh it's so far up there. Yeah, <laughs> so far up there. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. It made me, it made me who I am. I know, me too. I'm from Stinkin' Creek. Oh, I love that! <laughs> yeah, so imagine. That's so Kentucky. Yes. Especially when I got to college. Like, in Knox County, it was just like, whatever. But when I got to college, and now, like, my boyfriend's family, every once in a while, they're like, where are you from again? What's it called? I'm like, Knox County. They're like, no. What's it called? Stinking Creek. Stinking Creek. And then I'm like, it's because of this, this, and this. And they're like, nah, it's because it stinks. (laughs) (laughs) 
they're asshole Ohioans. It's fine. Oh no! Well, that we have such a running joke with Ohioans. I have friends. You know, I live in the tri-state, so we're close to Ohio and West Virginia. I always say Kentucky, but damn near West Virginia. Um, you know, because it's right, it's very right. culturally close. But it's weird because Ohio is not culturally close to yeah. us at all. And if you go just like fifteen minutes from from where I live, just right across the line, the accent's totally different. Everything's totally different. We give Ohioans a hard time. I have some some of my best friends are from Ohio, but I always make fun of them and call them dirty Buckeyes. Hilarious. <laughs> oh Hilarious. goodness. I mean, that's kind of how it goes with me and my boyfriend, and then his family because they are. I mean, they're just not country people. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, Elena, what are you saying? And then all of their friends go, where are you from? And I'm like, southeastern Kentucky. And they're like, oh. <laughs> it's like, don't don't be jealous. Don't be mad. I know, I know. I'm I'll right. give you some moonshine. I got, I'll share. I'll share. That's the well, original moon water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The original what now? I always joke and say Moonshine is the original Moonwater because, you know, there's been this whole big thing, you know. I, I joke and say the Pinterest witches and their Moonwater, but oh, yeah. <laughs> the ch- charging. So but I, I'm like Eastern Kentuckians did it first because yeah. they, they, you know, I was like, this is absolute Appalachian alchemy. Um, because you're taking corn and by the moonlight, you know, it was illegal at that time. And, and yeah. that's the way a lot of these people would make money is a little extra money. Or great, great grandfather, great grandfather. I don't remember right now. Anyway, he was a moonshiner. He was a massive one. It Good was, for him. I know. Right, that's the right. spirit. <laughs> I know. And my uncle, still my mom's oldest brother, he's like, I can tell you how to make moonshine, but I'm not going to do it. Right. He, he remembers. He grew up next to the still. It used to be such a, a crime, and it's funny now because we kind of embrace that part of our yeah, But it used, yeah. It's sad how Appalachian people have been treated really bad by our government um, and been treated as outsiders and criminals for a very long time. I'm, I, I'm glad there's a resurgence in the, of, you know, our cultural traditions being respected but you know moonshiners they they would get in a lot of trouble um and some of these people literally made it to you to make medicine because back Mm -hmm. then you live in the hauler you don't have access to medicine and this this all ties into kind of our modern story in a way you know we still don't have access to medicine in the eastern kentucky because we're still so far below the poverty line some of these people don't know how to access these things um you know, it's, ugh, there's so much you can get into with this story, but, um, you know, they would take that moonshine and make things like tinctures from the plants and the medicines around us, and that was Appalachian medicine. It was so important, but, you know, it, it was a dangerous game. You go to jail, you get shot, mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. Um, our people have not, have not had it easy, no. um, you know. And, too, when you lost your job at the coal mines, because coal mines had just taken everything that they they wanted to take and left and you still had a family to take care of where else was there to go you're yeah, yeah. you're in rural area you know yeah. so you had to make money <laughs> you're absolutely right and i think that ties back to into our original conversation on witchcraft is yes. moonshine and all of these illegal things that our grandfathers and great grandfathers and grandmothers did they 
they came a lot from their ancestors and from their magics and their, you know, trying to make up for what we didn't have. Yes. And I think that that is the original Appalachian magic and Appalachian alchemy is being able to turn nothing into something. Yeah. You know, and and it's not, you may not have the best of everything, but you, you make the best of everything. You make the best of it, yeah. And I have to wonder if that sacred magic land didn't seep into us, you know? If some of that magic didn't come into us and make, maybe some of it, probably some of us more than others, just by virtue of how people are, you know, being open versus not. Yes. But come into us and make us more able to do some of these things. I definitely think so. I think that magic also resonates, that that sacred energy. I think, too, there's people don't underestimate the amount of pagans and witches and occult practitioners in our area. People are like, how does your store stand in Little Eastern Kentucky? I'm like, oh, honey, you have no idea. I think that these mountains are full of wisdom, and they're just whispering to people constantly, like, wake Um, up, wake up, go search, go search this out, seek this out, you know, um, I belong to an uh, an alchemist or an al or turn it. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. <laughs> I've said alchemist too many times in a row. Um, I belong to an alchemical church um, that's local called the Orthodox Order of the Seven Sovereign Rites, and people are just mind blown that that exists. It's a legitimate five hundred one three C here in Kentucky, so it's a recognized church, and that's something we're trying to to grow and foster in our area um, because it it's a beautiful practice. Yeah, it really that's is. Really it's really awesome. awesome. That's really, really incredible. And I've seen some of the videos that you've posted on TikTok of just some of what you show us. And it's really beautiful. And it is, in, in a way, it's a little bit surprising because I have that a little bit of, wow, it's a small town. I'm surprised. Right. I'm like, I'm not surprised because I'm from there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get it. Well, I hid, you know, we we hid for a long time. I've been practicing for 10 years, and I've been with my church now for four. And it's always the debate and going back and forth and hiding and being open and hiding and being open. But in this day and age, I think it's it's just time. I think it's time for tolerance and acceptance. And I think that by educating people and, and teaching tolerance about these practices is the only way forward. I think you're absolute right. Absolutely. Absolutely right. I mean, you can only create tolerance by teaching people. Yes. You know, I think a lot of hatred comes from not knowing. Absolutely. Uh, What? I mean, there's a better word for it, but I can't think of it right now. But a lot of hatred comes from not knowing and not understanding. So by being an advocate for not only Appalachia on the macro level, you're an advocate for understanding that Appalachia is a beautiful, multifaceted, multicultural place, but you're also an advocate for your spirituality and your practices. And that's really cool. I think that you're going to raise a lot of awareness and education using your platforms. Thank you. I, I 
you know, I deeply appreciate that. I just really love where I live. I'll never give up on this place. It's my home and I'll get emotional talking about it. Um, it's such a beautiful, (laughs) I, I love these people so much. I can't, can't reiterate that enough and I just want to make it better for my son and and future generations and I think that our people are deserve that I believe that our culture deserves to be respected I believe that we we deserve to have you know tolerance and acceptance and appreciation because we're such a loving people Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, that's really just what it's all about for me. And, you know, with some things, I think diffusing certain things with humor are the best way because people are like, oh, my God, you're so funny. I'm like, well, you know, humor is kind of <laughs> it's one of my things. And it's the way we can connect with people. Right. I do the same thing. I mean, earlier I was making jokes with my mom about somebody being dead. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this sounds really awful probably <laughs> to the outside listener. But no. It is. It's normal. I think that comes from, once again, us going through so many hardships in our area. And you have to learn to cope. You get kind of a morbid sense of humor. And once again, a little bit dark, you know, we we have that. We have that side to us. And that's that's how we've survived. It absolutely is. Just, I mean, it has been brutal for our ancestors and even our grandparents and our parents and us us. to an extent. And yeah, it's just a part of us that clawing our way out, morbid sense of humor, always trying to make the best of it. You're absolutely right. That's a part of our culture. And I think it's a little bit of a, um, you know, like our consciousness, our shared consciousness as Appalachians and being passed down from our ancestors. We get that. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's something I hope we can we can share with the world, really. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, Casey, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for coming You're on. so welcome. It was absolute pleasure to do this for me, and I I'm had a great so time. Sad. Oh, I hope so, and I hope the listeners enjoy this, too. I think they will. Um, go ahead and plug yourself. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you can find me on Facebook with my business. It's Blood Moon Goddesses. And it's uh, Blood Moon Goddesses, Apothecary and Spiritual Services on Facebook. But you can just look up Blood Moon Goddesses because that's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) And on TikTok, you can find me at Deviant Dahlia. It's D-E-V-I-A-N-T-D-A-H-L-I-A all together. That's my personal. And you can also find my store on TikTok at blood moon goddesses awesome and then i wanted to ask you i forgot to tell you to prepare this but do you have any resources that you would want to recommend to the listener yes like okay perfect let's go go. absolutely i could go on about this all day but we're not gonna any (laughs) any book by silas house please read it Please read it. Please read it. Please read Silas House and a book called Backwoods Witchcraft. It's all about Appalachian uh, craft. I highly recommend that. 10 out of 10. Wonderful book. And just if you're entering into the practice, um, this is not Appalachian witchcraft, but just a good building block for the practice because this is universal. The Kabbalion. Awesome. Okay, I'll get links to all of those. 
and to your TikTok and the store and the Facebook and everything. And I will include those on the Facebook post for today's episode. So Absolutely. Good. That sounds great. Awesome. All right. Well, and for the listeners, if you're new here, make sure that you follow along wherever you listen. Um, follow on Instagram at I've been thinking pod. Check out the website. I've been thinking for the blog post on today's episode. And yeah, make sure you're subscribed so you can keep up with anything new. Thank you guys for listening. And again, thank you, Casey, for coming on. My pleasure. Y'all have a good evening. Y'all have the best evening. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>